In addition to my mother and father, there were a few people that shaped my life. Two of them were Jack and Rachel Clark, who lived in this house. When my mother and father would go off on vacation, I would stay with Jack and Rachel, and they provided me with information about the basic rudiments of life, the priorities that any human being should accrue, and also my entree into understanding how the sharecroppers and day laborers lived in a strictly segregated society. Much later, I wrote a poem about Rachel Clark, entitled Rachel. My young life, shaped by those I loved, felt the gentle touch of Rachel Clark, our neighbor on the farm, whose husband, Jack, cared for the barn and did the kind of work that we boys most admired. He tended mules and rang the cast iron bell that brought an end to sleep and later told the time to rest. His wife was small and quiet. Her brown skin fixed her in our segregated world, yet Rachel had the aura of a queen that somehow wouldn't let the white folks ask for her to do the chores around their place, like cooking, ironing clothes, or tending babes. But she would volunteer with quiet grace any time she learned the need was real. For miles around, the farming folks would know what Rachel did while working in the field. I'd pick 150 pounds or so of cotton if I never stopped to rest. No man could do much more. But Rachel Clark could pick near twice as much as second best. At sundown, we would tie what we had got in burlap sheets and watch the foreman weigh, see for ourselves that Rachel had the most and if she had topped her own best mark that day. She'd put a lot more peanuts on the stacks Hold more weeds, shuck more corn. No one, in fact, could equal anything she did. These kinds of deeds that may seem small to some were big events for us, in which we all competed as our farm life would allow. When work was done, or when a heavy rain made the fields too wet to hoe or plow, and open cotton bowls too damp to pick, sometimes she'd smile at me and mention fish. Then she and I would leave the farm and walked six miles or so to reach a stream she knew. These journeys gave us ample time to talk, or rather, I would listen to her words, and she would think a while and then hold forth about God's holy way, how when we deal with nature, we are stewards of the earth. She'd say that blessings bring on debts to pay, describe the duties of a man and wife, and say the brave and strongest need not fight. She'd tell how praying gave her life a lift, and how it made her act and not just talk, like staying up all night with someone sick. It wasn't empty preaching like in church. Sometimes I wasn't glad to reach the creek. Our bait was crawfish, lizards, crickets, worms, or whatever she would recommend for perch, catfish, and bass, which we called trout, misnamed by our European kin, or mine at least, I knew that Rachel's folks were brought themselves to be my people's slaves. The swamps and woodlands came alive for me. She taught the way that every person craves to learn. Our creels were empty flour sacks that kept our catch in water, fresh and safe, from water snakes and snapping turtles. 
that would have left us bones instead of fish. Rachel used exactly seven poles for reasons I could never figure out. I asked her, why not eight or six? She only smiled at me, then went ahead and caught, with luck or skill, five fish to one of mine. She made it seem a favor heading home if some of hers would wind up in my sack. Those might have been the best days I have known. With my folks gone, I'd stay with her and Jack. Newspapered walls all leaned. The sagging doors stayed open, letting flies and breezes in. I smelled the lye that cleaned the holy floors. Saving kerosene, we slept at dusk on lumpy corn shucks, not my feather bed. They always made me feel like I belonged and knew what things were better left unsaid. Although the food was plain and seldom changed, I never thought our big house down the road was better. They all knew I liked to be with Rachel Clark. I guess my feelings showed. In later years, I'd visit Rachel's home in public housing. Sometimes I'd find her on the village street, then still a queen, her apron sagging with a can of beer. She'd laugh about what good times there had been and tell me what she thought I ought to do in Washington, where I was working then. 